In a huge game for Missouri on Saturday, Auburn is going to have a different starting quarterback plus the 2023 football schedule is revealed and it's about as good as it's going to get for Missouri in this conference. So let's talk about all that and more right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball every weekday. And I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. Terms and conditions apply. And well, some big news on the Missouri-Auburn front on the the Auburn Tigers side, though. And that is TJ Finley, the starting quarterback for Auburn so far in the first three ball games this season, is going to be out with a shoulder injury. And, well, just to show a bit more of the turmoil happening over in Auburn, Alabama right now, TJ Finley actually retweeted a a stat put out by College Football Film Room that showed that Auburn quarterbacks were pressured on 62% of their dropbacks against Penn State this past week, the fourth highest pressure rate allowed by an SEC team over the last five seasons. Now, certainly, that does say something about that does put in TJ Finley's struggles last week into context for sure and also explains why he did suffer a somewhat significant shoulder injury it sounds like too but to me anytime your quarterback is sort of openly throwing your offensive line under the bus on social media boy that's not a good look for you as the quarterback and it's not a good look for that entire program and just shows sort of the chaos and tumult that is happening around that entire team right now. So, by the way, I think we can say this pretty easy, pretty uh pretty safely. We may have some questions about Brady Cook still as a player, and that's fair, but as a human being, I, I think we know for sure that he's never going to be blaming his offensive line publicly. To me, that is the ultimate cardinal sin as a quarterback. But the bottom line is we don't have to worry about TJ Finley on Saturday because it looks like Robbie Ashford is going to be the starting quarterback for Auburn. And, well, we got the best look possible this past week, or I shouldn't say possible, but the best the best look we have gotten so far at Robbie Ashford in his young career, the young man from Hoover, Alabama, the fre- the redshirt freshman standing at 6'3", 212 pounds, and frankly, he's a lot more elusive than that pretty substantial size might lead you to believe. He's got some real physical tools. He ended up at Oregon University to start his career before transferring, and well, since I happened to watch about probably say 95% of that Penn State and Auburn game, 
this past weekend? Well, we happened to get a good look at Ashford. He was 10 of 19 passing in the second half after Finley was lifted because of that shoulder injury and perhaps ineffectiveness as well. But what you really saw from Ashford was a guy who does have really, really impressive scrambling ability. And also a guy who is very much a boom-bust kind of player, from what I could tell. A guy who's willing, because of that supreme athletic ability, he's willing to hold on to the ball for a really long time and and make stuff happen. And of course, sometimes that's going to result in putting a lot of strain on the defensive backfield and receivers getting open down the field. Big plays in the running game by Ashford himself and the passing game. But a lot of times you're going to see sacks, too. We saw a couple of them in that second half, also an interception in that ball game. And again, that winds up with all of those the big plays. He had a 28-yard rush, but ultimately just 11 carries for 29 yards when you include those two sacks. So again, Ashford, to me, is an intriguing prospect, but from what I could tell, Looks like there needs to be a lot more polish on him at this point. If Auburn is really not going with Zach Calzada, the former Texas A&M player, and by former, I mean last season. Hey, remember when he actually guided the Aggies to an upset over Alabama and College Station last year? Well, overall, I was never that impressed by Calzada, but it is surprising to see that the presumed starter – who was Calzada, or at least it was going to be Finley or Calzada at the very least, to see that now that Finley is out and they're turning to Robbie Ashford, this seems pretty desperate. This seems like a desperation move to me for a team that's trending in the wrong direction and and a coaching staff that may all be gone pretty soon if it keeps going this way. Hopefully Missouri will have a hand in that come Saturday. My hope is that Blake Baker's defense for Missouri is actually well-suited for this matchup, at least against Robbie Ashford in particular. I think the real key will, of course, be stopping the Auburn tailbacks, in my opinion, including Tank Bigsby. But when it comes to Ashford and his explosive running ability, I think Missouri has enough athletes at safety and at linebacker to at least be able to hem him in at the very least, and at worst, make his life a bit difficult. Because I think in the past, when Missouri gets beat, at least in the recent past, in the running game, it's often by being out physical. Well, I think if Missouri does play a lot of zone defense, has Martez Manuel near the line of scrimmage to help out, I think we can live with Auburn passing the ball. Missouri can just stop the run. I think they've got a great chance to actually pull off the seven-point upset over at Bet Online. And coming up, let's break down that what is, in my opinion, a favorable 2023 football schedule for Missouri and also why I think some people are being too hard on Missouri's offensive line coach. But first, let's talk about the stakes. Yes, high stakes for Missouri, but also these days when every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business, well, you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. Well, that's why you have 
LinkedIn Jobs. Yes, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. We've had trouble finding people at my small business before. Well, this is exactly why we went with LinkedIn Jobs. You see, there are simple tools like screening questions that make it easy for you to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can prioritize who you want to interview quickly. And that's why, once again, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, obviously, my mind is still fully centered on the 2022 Missouri Tigers, but you can't help but think about 2023 when the full football schedule comes out, and this is shaping up to be a really crucial year for Eli Drinkwitz, no question about that. So you know what? Let's take a look at that schedule, and hey, for those of you watching on YouTube, ah, you're going to get some added value here. Yes, I'm going to show you the schedule here on the screen so you can follow along right now. Yes, there we go. There's your graphic. Boy, am I a heck of a producer or what? Is that fancy? Man, that is some good stuff right there. But seriously, folks, what's really good stuff is the beginning of this schedule for Missouri. It's been talked about a lot in many Mizzou spaces, including here about how just the past few seasons, especially in the post-Pinkle era, the Missouri's just really struggled to get off to a decent start, and that's frankly killed fan interest at a certain point. But if you look at this schedule here, hey, that's a pretty manageable September. You're starting off with home games against South Dakota and Middle Tennessee, and then another home game. Yes, three straight home games, in fact. Now, of course, you got the toughie. Yes, once again, it's a pivotal game with those dastardly Kansas State Wildcats. Let's hope that Missouri, their trend with Eli Drinkwitz of being much better at home continues here without question. Now, interestingly, in week four, that's to be determined at this moment. Used to be the Memphis Tigers. Yes, Missouri doesn't have enough opponents that are Tigers. Why not throw another one on the pile? But I guess we opted out of that game. So who the heck knows who Missouri's going to play there? I have a feeling it's going to be a less than thrilling opponent. Let's put it that way. So Missouri has a very good chance to start, again, with Vanderbilt here in week five, as you can see, at Vanderbilt in Nashville. A really good chance to start 5-0 and or 4-1, and perhaps 3-2 and at the absolute least, if you're a believer in this Coach Lee turnaround so far down in Nashville. Not quite there yet, but they have shown signs of life offensively, and that's not something that Vanderbilt has shown in quite some time. So it will be interesting to see what the Commodores can do. But I digress. The point here is that this is a relatively easy start. And even if you go to week six at home against LSU, year two of the Brian Kelly regime, plenty of stuff to worry about still down in LSU. I haven't seen an immediate turnaround there yet, so hopefully it's going to take Brian Kelly a minute. I think ultimately if... If the Bayou Bengals are patient with Brian Kelly, he'll get it done. But don't forget, it took him a while to get it going 
to the level that he eventually got to at Notre Dame. So a little bit of patience sometimes goes a long way, especially for a guy who is a proven coach at this level. I wouldn't be surprised, though, considering how the SEC is going lately, considering how LSU has proven to be impatient in the past as well. Well, who knows? Maybe the Brian Kelly era won't go quite as well as most people expect. Now, obviously, you're here October 14th at Kentucky. Tough ball game. Then you've got home against South Carolina, an off week, before, frankly, a murderer's row. Yes, I've talked a lot about how Missouri got a nice start to this 2023 schedule. Well, the last four weeks couldn't be much tougher. At Georgia, home against Tennessee, home against Florida, and at Arkansas on either Black Friday or on Saturday. So, yikes, that is quite the finish, quite the gauntlet for Eli Drinkwitz and everybody to finish the last four games of 2023. But honestly, I will take that. I really will. Give me that type of schedule. Give me that type of setup over the opposite, over just a a murderer's row to start the season. Please, I'd much rather play Georgia toward the end of the season. And I would especially always like to play Florida at home as late in November as possible. I think that I think the reasons for that are pretty obvious and speak for themselves. And coming up, as discussed many times here and all over the Missouri beat, yes, it's been a tough go for the offensive line so far, but I think it's way too early to throw Marcus Johnson, the Missouri offensive line coach, under the bus. But you know what? I'm not sure that Auburn fans agree when it comes to their head coach, Brian Harson. And the odds makers over at betonline.net have taken notice. They have him as your leader in the clubhouse at 3-2 to two odds to be the next coach in NCAA football fired. So if you bet 10 bucks on it, and that indeed comes to fruition, you get 15. Wow, there's a lot of other coaches out there who could potentially get fired, but Brian Harson, your leader in the clubhouse. Tough times, tough times. Again, let's hope we can push that particular scenario down the road as quickly as possible. But you know what? If you don't like betting on people's demise and you would rather be a more positive human being, well, there are plenty of of positive wagers you can get on, whether it's college football, pro football, pro basketball, MMA, boxing, golf, the whole kit and caboodle. They've got you covered over at betonline.net, where the game starts. As I've admitted many times on this program, I am far from an expert on offensive line play. But I think we can safely say that obviously these first three weeks aren't what Marcus Johnson or Eli Drinkwitz or anybody really has wanted so far. But to me, taking these three weeks aside, Marcus Johnson has done a rather admirable job his first two years in Columbia without any real blue chip prospects and really some of his best players being transfers from other programs, I think he's, and obviously having to deal with the COVID-19 season, all types of different challenges, injuries to Case Cook, among other things. Just from my perspective, he's done a real admirable job so far. But 
I sort of thought of this topic as I was reading a question into Gabe DeArmond's mailbag this morning, talking about Marcus Johnson and suggesting that perhaps he's going to be a fall guy if this level of play continues. And, and to me, I just thought that was way, way too early to even be thinking about that type of thing. And well, Gabe did have some good context here. He added that apparently Lane Kiffin of Ole Miss and Jimbo Fisher of Texas A&M were sniffing around at some point looking to add Marcus as their offensive line coach. And subsequently, Johnson got a raise, again, according to DeArmond here in his mailbag. But again, before I even read the actual answer, Gabe's answer to the question, I've just intuitively felt like Johnson has really done a good job with the players he's been given. Now, with Eli Drinkwitz making his return to Auburn, Alabama, according to Drinkwitz, for the first time since 2013, lots of lots of ties to Gus Malzahn. Of course, he gave a ton of credit yesterday while he met the, the media scrum, although thankfully not a CM Punk AEW scrum, if you know what I mean. But sorry, I digress. That was for you wrestling fans out there. But seriously... While talking a lot about Harse and his time at Alabama, obviously an amazing time. And in fact, the 2010 season was Drinkwitz's first time in college football. And he said, quote, I thought college football was easy. Get the best quarterback on the planet and go win the national championship. So yeah, I mean, that was a remarkable year. I remember some of those stadiums were rocking, good players, lots of fun stuff. Well, First of all, that's funny that his not only was, in my opinion, his first season was obviously remarkable to be a part of that type of team. An undefeated team wins the national championship, and yeah, absolutely the best quarterback on the planet in college football that year was, in fact, Cam Newton. But I'm going to take it one step further, and I don't know if if this, maybe this is just a common take, but I just don't I don't really heard it said enough, quite frankly, if it is a common take. But Cam Newton, I don't know if he's the best quarterback in the history of college football, but he absolutely had the best season in 2010 in the history of college football. And if you think that's hyperbole, well, let me give you some context here. You might remember Joe Burrow's incredible season, of course, from 2019. We're really not going back that far, right? Well, Burrow threw for 5,600 yards that year. And I'll I'll grant you, that's nearly twice as many yards as what Cam Newton threw that year. But still, 2,800 yards is nothing to turn your nose at. But, again, this absolutely remarkable LSU offense one of the absolute best LSU offenses of all time. He had Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson were two of Joe Burrow's receivers. That's mind-blowing in retrospect. Those are two of the five best receivers in the NFL right now. And Joe Burrow that season averaged passing 10.8 yards per attempt. Well, guess what Cam Newton averaged in 2010? 10.2. Yes, over 10 yards per attempt. So yes, you're probably still going, okay, well, that's really impressive, John, but Burrow 
was still better. He was still quite a bit, by .6, he was still slightly better, I should say. But here's the difference. Not only was Cam Newton over 10 yards per pass attempt, he also rushed for 1,400 yards and 20 touchdowns. So not only was he basically a slightly poorer man's version of Joe Burrow as a passer, he was basically a poor man's Adrian Peterson in the backfield. You could call him Tyler Beatty in the backfield if you want, like a gigantic version of Tyler Beatty. I just mean in terms of production, obviously. In terms of physicality, there's no comparison whatsoever. But again, a guy who averages over 10 yards a pass and nearly 1,500 yards on the ground, yeah, we're never seeing that again, especially not only did he rush for nearly five and a half yards of carry, that includes 20 touchdowns. A lot of those were goal line, short yardage carries. The guy is the best short yardage weapon, in my opinion, in the history of pro football or college football. So I just think if you got a if you got a better if you got a better set of numbers for one season and and it wasn't empty numbers again they went undefeated and won the national championship if you got a better season at quarterback for me than that I'd like to hear it that's my hot take for today but hey thanks once again for not only indulging that last semi Mizzou related topic I, I got there through a Drinkwitz coach thank you very much there pal but. Thanks for listening to this program, and certainly I'll be with you all week with even more Missouri and Auburn contact co- content. Easy for me to say, but hey, if you need some good SEC content, definitely check out Locked on SEC. Make it your second listen today. So until next time, I'm John Miller, and thanks again for listening to Locked on Mizzou. Mizzou.